Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Board Games Anonymous, the podcast with board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Bruce. And this is episode 270, our friend's favorite games with our friend Bruce. And we'd like to thank all our patrons for helping us bring you a brand new episode. So everyone, I would absolutely positively love to introduce our good friend Bruce Bruce, it's so glad to have you on the episode this week. It is so good to be here. And I feel like like I wasn't ready for this because we've done like six hours of talking before now. And <laughs> this is the most intense you've been the whole time. So now I feel like I need to match your energy as much as I possibly can. Uh, and to all the patrons out there, uh, thank you so much for your support. I would just like to, I just like to make sure. Uh, as a person with a podcast, you do not realize if you're not a person with a podcast, how much just a little bit of support means because we're here and we're having fun. We've just had like six hours of fun talking to each other and it's great. <laughs> but when you're doing a show, there's a little bit of a grind to it. I mean, like we can just be real honest about that. It's true. And uh, we, it, it's like shouting into the void that all we mm -hmm. do is just throw content out into the world. <laughs> and we hope uh, beyond hope that anyone is paying any attention and we have metrics don't think that we don't ladies and gentlemen uh guys and gals non-binary pals don't think we don't have metrics but that's not the same as someone saying like here's a here's a dollar here's i'm willing to i care enough about what you're doing and i know it sounds stupid and you're like no bruce that sounds unreasonable it sounds like you're being sarcastic i'm not i'm not being facetious in the slightest just the occasional like comment on twitter or something uh, mm -hmm. a buck or two on patreon you have no idea how much that is just reaffirming this mm -hmm. that we're doing right now so every show i go on i like to sell the show a little bit if you're out there um it's it's always it's always helpful yeah. no it's fantastic and it as you mentioned bruce it's one of those, you know, when you do an episode, it's like an existential crisis each and every week. <laughs> do I exist? Do I matter? Does anything outside this void exist? 
And then like you hope once you put the episode out that it's like twink- Tinkerbell, like, come on, everybody, clap your hands or otherwise the podcast won't exist. Come on, everyone, clap. If I have an opinion on terraforming Mars and nobody hears it, does terraforming Mars even exist? It's true. I don't, I don't even think it does. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that, uh, let me give you my bona fides out there so you know why in the world I'm allowed to bark at you. Uh, hey, yes, Bruce. Please. Nice to meet you. Um, I am the <laughs> moderator of the Party Game Cast, featuring the Party Game Cast, a podcast about party games and games you take to parties. I'm also a co-host of On Board Games, uh, which that might be a, a thing that you've heard. I don't know. Might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also made a lot of appearances in a lot of places. I used to be social media and PR for North Star Games. So if you're like, hey, it's the North Star Games guy, that's perfectly appropriate to think that too. <laughs> um, I'm not with them anymore, but I, I did an awful lot of stuff for them. So you might have seen me in my pink hair on videos uh, selling you the quacks of Quidlinburg uh, most of the time uh, or Wits and Wagers. That may be a, mm-hmm. a thing that you saw me do. So that's probably most of the places, if you know me, you would know me from. If you're like, hey, that voice is vaguely familiar, that would be why. Yeah, and for us, obviously, we've talked about you, Bruce, for many, many years. Obviously, you've listened to every single episode we've done and, and heard all the the accolades that we've poured upon you endlessly. <laughs> and this is true, actually, in fact, because it's one of those situations where Bruce and I were talking for quite some time about you go to these board game conventions like many of you out there do, and it's this mass of people. It oh, really yeah. is just this wave and it's just it's endless and it's faceless and you don't know you know there's no (laughs) there's no safe shore there's no safe harbor no and and it's it's so wonderful to meet and talk to and reconnect with your friends in that situation because you're obviously there for fun you're there for good times you're there for you know to make everything better and again, waves and waves, like especially if you've been to Gen Con, it's just like endless waves. So oh, Bruce has oh, always been definitely. a uh, fantastic uh, friend to have in that waveness of Gen Con. Well, thank you so much, Chris. It's it's always been I good, especially that. like, you know, we'll give you a, a bit of a perspective in is that like the day or two before there are kind of like little shindigs and parties happening. And it's always been, you've always been a smiling face and someone where I could go, okay, I'm, I'm starting to reacclimate to the water. <laughs> you know okay this is yeah. as a matter, i'll give you a fun gen con story so this one got me in a yeah. lot of trouble i didn't mean for it to but it got misinterpreted mm-hmm. but um everybody kept saying bruce the running of the nerd <laughs> you're not ready you're not ready these nerds come in and they're gonna trample you wait till you see it and i went oh that's cool so where's our booth and they said oh our booth is right in front <laughs> i went right in front of the trampling they're like yes <laughs> right in front but we're, we don't have a super new game so they're just gonna pass by us just try not to lose an arm and i said oh, okay that sounds cool so i have a friend that's a police officer and i said mm-hmm. hey do you guys have any spare riot shields and he said mm-hmm. what do you want it for and i said oh, you're running of the nerds gen con and he went yeah i think i can get you one <laughs> so he got me a riot shield now the riot shield he even said to me he brought me this riot shield it's an honest to goodness like they use it in training and he said, look, it's a little beat up. You're going to have to do something to this. He said, like, you can't just take this thing into Gen Con as it is. It's too gnarly. He was like, I don't know if you want to, like, spray paint it pink or something or put, like, some sparkles <laughs> on it. But, like, sure. you, you probably shouldn't bring this as is. So I slapped mm-hmm. a couple of Happy Salmon stickers on it. Mm-hmm. And I got to the front of our booth and locked in with this riot shield <laughs> as the running of the nerds came at me. And I filmed over top of the riot shield which I thought was awesome. 
That's great. Uh, and I, did, I did a live video and put it on Twitter. And then later, there were all kinds of implications about what that meant and politically what it could mean, which I didn't have any of those. That wasn't my thought. My thought was, sure. um, I'm going to get trampled, and I'm a 300-pound uh-huh. dude, so if I lock my uh-huh. legs and I have a riot shield, <laughs> people will just move around me. Like, they won't engage me, which yes. there was an amazing – if 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 all the bad publicity – and thank goodness there are some folks in the industry that kind of stuck up for me, and they were like, yeah, I've tried to do it. Bruce did what he did for his own safety. It was the only way to get the video he got. But somebody yeah. was standing on a chair in our booth and filmed above me, and it was oh. like a, it was like a pebble in a creek. Like wow. I was locked in, and people just streamed around me because mm-hmm. they just didn't want to engage. But a lot yeah. of people that passed by, like, "Great idea, dude!" As they went by. But once again, like it got kind of misconstrued, and I did not mean for all of the other implications. But it was wild to be in the running of the nerds, like live head on. <laughs> filming this because i was like i was legitimately nervous but i was like if the story i leave gen con with is i brought a riot shield they through sheer force of nerd overwhelmed me i'm willing to take that story like oh i got knocked down and i broke a tooth while i was in indianapolis (laughs) but wait till i show you the footage uh you know i was willing to do that for my art but yeah no and it's enough like i was glad i had it it wasn't like no one was rude to me or mean to me but the sheer it's it's like black friday like the sheer throng of people sure um like just makes it so that you feel like you need that protection uh right now that sheer throng of people cannot get together uh so yes. i'm waiting to see what will happen with gen con this year but i bet it probably won't be uh that intense that's my guess <laughs> i i bet you there's somebody already lining up for gen con because like you mentioned that wave of people builds for quite some time oh yeah and it's always kind of weird because, you know, Gen Con, like all the other conventions, are trying to do the safest thing possible. But it, as you mentioned, Bruce, yet at the same time, they create literally a tidal wave that yes. just pours out. Uh, so you got some battle scars, I guess, from that situation. And the beauty is, like, nerds are wonderful people. And they do things, like, yeah. just slightly different than you expect. Like, if you ever go to a Weird mm-hmm. Al concert, it's the only concert yeah. you ever go to where if someone stands up and sings with the music, people yell at them. Uh, any other concert you go to anything everything except for a symphony and if you were to stand up at a symphony they probably would be like i don't know why this guy's getting into it this much but good on him but at a weird al concert <laughs> if you stand up and you sing along with weird al as one does at a concert people sure. will yell at you till you sit down there Nerd you go will do that rush but they like speed walk yes and they try not to, like it's 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 weird like it's this polite frenzy <laughs> that is not like anything like i'm glad i did it I am sorry for the potential implications that it brought because I had a police ride shield, but yes. it was protection. But it was just, it's just a wild thing to see, to see that many, like that many gamers desperately needing like the, my little pony magic, the gathering crossover. It's true. Well, I guess if there is any conventions this year, I know origins move their convention down into September and Gen Con is still waiting to decide what they're going to do. I guess we, probably will all need riot shields or bubbles to, yeah. to kind of go to the convention next time maybe that'll be the thing everybody will just go in and like a zorb <laughs> that's just right around in a zorb <laughs> it'll just be that would suddenly make me want to do a convention a lot more if i just did it like in one of those inflatable hamster balls um i say that if you don't know what a zorb is that's what a zorb is it's like an inflatable hamster ball exactly did you ever watch portlandia yes absolutely portlandia did an episode where like hey, you're too old to go to a concert, but don't worry about it because we'll put like this giant VR, you know, bowl over your head and you'll have a drone that will go to the concert. So 
you could have Gen Con with just like thousands of, of drones kind of flying around. Oh, don't put that idea into the world or it's going to happen. Because this is the community <laughs> well, to do it. We'll actually talk that in a bit. And obviously, Anthony is not here with us this week. He is dealing with, you know, some fallout from COVID. His wife is a very dedicated nurse and she came down with something. Obviously, Anthony is under the weather right now. Done the testing and we're hoping that everything comes out well. So please keep his family on uh, your thoughts and prayers. It means a lot. Anthony's a little bit more of a private guy, but nonetheless, um, I know he means a lot to everyone out there. And he means a lot to us. So, um, you know, a lot of people in harm's way right now. So do whatever you can to kind of help out and uh, stay quarantined in the meantime. Yeah. And, you know, if you're out there and there's a thing you can do to, to help others to remain quarantined, do it. You know, if absolutely. If you have a skill, if you're a seamstress and you can you can sew masks, sew masks. I'm an entertainer. So I've tried to do things just to kind of keep people entertained at home. Um, I think a lot of entertainers are doing that because we don't know what else to do because we have no marketable sure. skills. So we're like, well, I can still tell jokes. So I'm going to keep telling jokes. So, I mean, yeah, figure out where you can be in on this. And again, like you mentioned, Bruce, the waves of nerds. I mean, it's it's the waves of nerds out there in the industry, the scientists, the researchers, the public officials, the doctors, the nurses, all the logistic people out there that are obviously saving lives and obviously warning us, you know, follow the nerds advice. Anything Absolutely. the nerds see, yeah. <laughs> listen to the nerds. Nobody else. They know what they're doing. Yeah. The nerds are trying to help you. The problem is they're not the most socially attuned people. So they do not know yes. exactly how to tell you this information. But trust me, they're trying to help you. Just listen. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. So in the meantime, we're obviously talking about Bruce's favorites games. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we wanted to get to... The question of the week. Now, Bruce, I don't think you've had an opportunity to answer our question of the week, which is a question that we post on Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamesAnonymous.com, our guild on BoardGameGeek, pretty much everywhere that there is social media. So our question for last week, Bruce, was what would you like to see from a digital board game convention? Obviously, we talked about Origins switching to this, I guess, for June, and then obviously doing a physical physical convention in September any ideas of what you think they're going to pull together? I mean, you're probably the best person to ask about this. So here's the thing. And I talked about to like, I almost hate to give this idea away, uh, but I think it's what's going to happen. Okay. I think for the time being is that it's going to be a mix of a few things. One as smaller conventions, I think are going to do what I saw. I think it's called Contagicon. Um, it's run by inverse genius where essentially they're like, Hey, we're all going to get together basically in a discord chat room. And then we're going to tell you the schedule and either you're going to go into your various discord chat rooms to play some games. So it's like, if you're doing Jackbox or you're trying to do a role-playing game or anything like that, you can get in there. Um, I think that's what things are going to look like for a while with a mix of, I think the dealers hall for a while. And my guess is I, I'm going to put my money on that board game geek figures. This out is that it's going to become like QVC. Um, I really do think that's what we're going to be looking at for a while is that when we see these digital conventions, there's going to be like a shopping channel. Sure. Where there is whatever media personalities you're used to seeing. So if that's mm -hmm. Rodney, if that's Lincoln, if that's, you know, I know Stephanie over at Funko used to be a part of the, like who, whatever people, Terry Latorco over at um, Renegade, I think you're going to start mm -hmm. seeing companies bring their people and from remote places essentially hit you up straight up QVC style. Um, I, I welcome this world. 
Because I think it's going to be that for me, I have a certain love of like the theater of public access television. Yes. Um, I would say if you're older, young folks are not going to know what I'm talking about, but older folks are going to know the Jerry Lewis telethon. Oh, sure. Uh, Jerry Lewis every year used to have a telethon for muscular dystrophy for MDA. And it was a 24 mm-hmm. hour telethon, which at this point in television, pardon me, kids, um, normally television didn't run 24 hours. Television stopped at about midnight, one in the morning, and went off the air until six in the morning, except for Jerry Lewis. He was allowed to run 24 hours a day. And Jerry was in, like, his late 50s, early 60s, uh, as I remember the telethon. Uh, And he didn't go to sleep. So come about 4.30 in the morning, Jerry was punchy. Uh, (laughs) And you would see, like, punchy Jerry Lewis just, like, messing with people he had never met before. I think we're going to see a certain amount of that, like... I think that's what <laughs> some of this, because I, like, I think everything else is going to find its way. People are going to go to Roll20. People are going to go to Tabletopia. People are going to go, mm-hmm. and that's how people are going to do that part of the convention, um, is I think people are going to find their ways to play their games remotely. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more in a couple of minutes. Um, yeah. But whatever way you can find. And that's what, you know, I have mm-hmm. some ideas. We have some things we're doing. But that's going to be some part of it. But that dealer hall experience, I think, really is going to be a, Hi, I'm Bruce from North Star Games. Let me show you what we have. Uh, we've got, okay, according to, in the warehouse, we have 600 more remaining. So you better call while you can. Get to the website, <laughs> pick one up. Let me show you the exclusives you're going to get. Like, I think that's how we're going to see that part being dealt with. Um, I think sooner rather than later. I think it's just some company out there, maybe USAopoly, maybe, or I'm sorry, the sure. op. Maybe the op is the one who does it. It's going to be somebody with a lot of titles, but someone is going to figure out how to do like a gamers shopping network yeah and i think that's, that's how fantastic. that's gonna work yeah it's certainly gonna be a challenge and I, and again gamma's been pretty tight-lipped on what yeah. this is gonna look like we talked about this a little bit last week tim says that he can play games from home but would need something to convince him that the online digital com is more than just this maybe temporary access to games that he normally wouldn't have to uh pay to play martin says i'll be curious to see if any any company goes digital and puts the games out that way so that they can play. He says, I certainly could see roll and rights at home. That could be fun or maybe setting up virtual ways to play. He said, I'm curious how vendors could get involved. Maybe giving out some special promo codes that only work during set hours. Uh, you can come online and play their demo and maybe purchase the game from their site with that demo code. Uh, David says, the convention is not just games. It's about people. Not sure how it could be replicated digitally in any format. Sam says, I wonder if they could set up several audio video channels where guests join in and talk about certain games and give presentations, maybe join the table with three to four people. This way you can still preserve the social connection online and actually learn more about the game. Sam says, alternately, set up three to four tables, have presenters join them, run it online to teach games and show new products. I think that's what you were talking about, Bruce. Yeah. And finally, Tom says, not interested in digital board game conventions, not really interested in playing games online. Uh, Once this breaks out, I uh, will definitely get with my game group, but it's an interesting idea in theory. So a lot of confusion and questions about this overall. I think a lot of, so like, I think what you could, what, what a convention is to you and what it's going to become for a little while are going to have to change. Um, sure. So some of the language there was uh, using kind of the paradigms we exist in now, which is you're asking me to spend $75 to come to your convention. What are you doing for me? 
Yes. What are you giving me? What am I getting? Why is this worth my money? Um, which I think is a very fair, don't get me wrong. I think that's a fair way to view it um, in an ROI. Like if I'm going to spend mm-hmm. $4,000 to be at Gen Con, what am I leaving with? What are you giving me? Whereas mm-hmm. I think the new format is going to be not necessarily charging money, but just being a social hub. And I think in yes. that it's harder as the consumer to say like, well, what are you going to do for me? What, what thing are you going to give me for free? I don't have now. I think it's more going to mm. be like, Hey, we're all lonely, you know? And like, let's just face the world we're in right now. Okay. Um, we're all lonely. We're all looking for any connection we can find. Yeah. Um, being a place where you say like, Hey, we're a center place for the weekend. Our discord is a center place where if you want to interact with other like-minded people and try for just a couple of hours to pretend like the world's not ending, come here, be with us. Yeah. And I think, like, for some people, that's going to not be appealing. Um, And I get that. And I think, like, for some people, conventions aren't appealing. You know, like, it is what it is. Um, But I think for a lot of folks, just being a center beacon to be a lighthouse to other people and to be willing Mm. to organize the stuff is, for a while, just going to have to be enough. Yes. You know, it's not going to be like, well, I'm going to come play a demo of a game I don't know if I want to own or not. Why don't you sell me your game? That's not going to be what conventions are for a little while. I do believe there are going to be like these. I think the home shopping network version of things is going to be happening soon because as companies suddenly go like, hey, we have spare media people around and spare cameras around and a public Mm. that just wants to buy things. um, Let's go for it. And I think that, but I think that's as close as you're going to get. And I think some are going to be especially savvy and talk about the things you're talking about, where they're going to do a physical release and a digital release at the same time. And they're going to open the digital release up for mm. 48 hours, but they're going to have some personality on going, Hey, let me show you the game. And you do this. And this is what the pieces look like. And I'm going to throw them on a table. And you know what? Do you want to see what it's like? Go to this app right now. Like, I think that that could potentially happen, but I think for a while conventions are not going to be what they were before. They're just going to be central hubs. They're not going to be like direct marketing thing that they are right now. They're not going to be the transactional relationship. I think they're going to have to be more of a community based until we can get back to it being a transactional relationship like they have been. Yeah. And maybe this opens up, as you said, Bruce, a a new opportunity to have different types of conversations. And as you mentioned, with the pandemic, we don't know where or when this thing's going to resolve itself or Mm -hmm. what's going to happen in the coming months or what numbers of conventions. And we talked about San Diego comic-con closing, which is huge. I mean, I mean, I I don't know. And obviously even with movie theaters right now, you're starting to see, it'll be interesting to see how this summer plays out. If movies will just be direct releases. I think the invisible man came out and I think trolls came out and they were like 20 bucks each. Yes. So you, you got to watch it from home, which, you know, good good for them to try different things but i think you you mentioned i mean obviously we talked about this you know really early on i mean it's a community we are a solid you know community of board gamers that we do enjoy each other's company so i would love to see everyone you know as you mentioned like some qvc kind of situation out there talking about hocking their goods you know really getting into it and you know a special presentation yeah, and I mean, like QVC works for yeah, a lot of the same time. reasons this would, because a lot of the people that it's selling to are, you know, like, I don't want to be disparaging because QVC is fine. It, it sells a lot of things. It, it, it connects people. But in a lot of cases, like I've talked to people that are QVC buyers. I have friends and friends, parents, and it's that they form a connection with these hucksters, with these salesmen, <laughs> and, you know, and a true. lot of it is like, I'm here alone. I just yeah. want to see someone on the TV talk to me pleasantly. 
and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Like, and I can't state enough, like the way I say it, just because the language I use might sound disparaging and I don't mean it to be, uh, it's, you know, yeah. if what makes it so that you can be comfortable locked in your house right now, because you have to be is, sure. you know, somebody on the TV talking to you about things you like and trying to sell them to you. And you can form that connection the same way we do with like stars in our, in shows that we like. You know, anytime a movie made you cry, it's because you formed a connection with a person you don't know, you know, like, mm -hmm. or with a character. So, I mean, like, I don't think any of this is bad, but I think that is going to be what we're going to be doing for a while is rather than, you know, like trying to, to grab you in the aisle. It's going to be trying to grab you on your TV or your device or your tablet. And, you know, I really like that person. You know, I like Lisa. Lisa sells me cool games, you know, like I think we're going to be doing that for a while. And I, I mean, I think sooner rather than later, BGG is probably going to end up on that. And it, you're going to start seeing, you know, like Aldi from his house uh, telling you about games. Yeah, I, I, sure. I think, and I don't think it's bad if it helps you stay at home and it makes you happy by all means. All right, Bruce. So that's everything that's going on with us and our listeners. Let's get on to our acquisition disorders. So, Bruce, I got two really interesting, I guess, world-ending, pandemic-appropriate games. I'm not going to talk about pandemic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you already know about pandemic. Yeah, and it's it's getting a new release. It's a smaller game, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of been there and done that. But two really positive releases out here, Bruce. I'm not too sure if you know about that. Cards Against Humanity. How do you feel about them, the company, and how do you feel about the game? Oh, you! I love this one. You don't understand how long an answer you're about to get. Okay. Uh oh, go for so, it. <laughs> so I'm going to begin with I kickstarted the original Cards Against Humanity. Oh, nice! I was part of the fifteen thousand dollars they got when they first went to Kickstarter. It was the very okay. first thing I ever kickstarted. Um, I like the idea of apples to apples, but dirty. Uh, there you go. I thought it was cool. Um, I thought the idea was neat. I thought it was worth my money. I got it. I played it. I had fun with it because it's kind of a fun game. Then I played it with strangers. And I mm -hmm. instantly wanted to light it on fire. Um, <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Okay. So if you're with your friends and you make off color, terrible jokes that are sure. racist or sexist or homophobic or misogynistic or anti-Semitic, and that's how you live. And you're fine with that. Um, it becomes the, I can make that joke. I'm Jewish. Sure, sure. And if that's how you feel and that's how you interact with your friends, I'm not here to tell you how to live. However, when you make that joke with your friend, you may say, hey, here's a misogynistic joke. Isn't it funny that someone would think that this is the reality? Mm -hmm. If you play it with strangers, you don't know why everyone's laughing. Because I'm thinking, <laughs> that's so misogynistic. Who would think that? And the person next to me is thinking, man, that's the truth, right? <laughs> and once I saw that, I yes. stopped playing the game because sure. that little bit of like, oh, we're dirty. And I mean, it's the same thing. Like, like I've always said this in every uh, we do as the party game cast. We have mm -hmm. a couple of panels that we do. And yes. the panel is always called uh, party games are not just cards against humanity. Uh, and that's True. what the panel's <laughs> called. And we do a whole thing about all the different types of party games. And I always come in and I say this cards against humanity. If you love it and you think it's awesome, you're right. If it's terrible and you think it's horrible and everything wrong with people, you're also right. Both of you are right. And I agree with you. And that is how I feel is that like, it's just, it's to me, the game kind of preys a little bit on, on our worsts rather than sure. praying the, rather than lifting up our best. Um, but I will say this, their retail like art projects 
are the greatest things I've ever seen. Yeah. When they just when they just dug a hole for money, that was great. The time they did a ninety nine percent off Black Friday thing, that was great. The Black time, Friday, yeah, yeah. The time they just sent you poop, and they told you, "We're yes. sending you poop. Don't do this. Don't buy this. We're going to send you poop, <laughs> but we think you're stupid enough to buy poop from us because you don't believe us." But we're telling you, we're selling you poop. <laughs> and they sent you poop. That was great. The eight days of Hanukkah, like every single one of those things, when they show up to Gen Con and they have absolutely no games and they're just registering people to vote. Um, I love it. <laughs> so like, I can't, it's a very weird relationship with me and Cards Against Humanity because like I went from yes. really liking the game to like really seeing what the game could do to people and not liking it at all. But I've always been pro kind of whatever weird uh, flight of fancy they want to take. One of the things I also like, they did a Father's Day promotion at Target where all of the games were in videos that looked like a DVD your father would have. <laughs> that was amazing. They did another one where they hit a promo pack in the display at Target in a cubby hole that didn't make sense. It, like, wow. if you looked at the display on the corner was a cat from Exploding Kittens. Yeah, yeah. And if you looked at it, it was a circle. And if you moved the circle, hidden in the circle were stacks of cards. That's fantastic. So, like, all of that stuff, I can't be more positive. But I will tell you, like, if your opinion is I love the game and I have fun, I totally understand. If your opinion is it's horrible and I think it's what's wrong with society, I totally get where you're coming from as well. So that's how I I do sit on both sides of that. And I think both are are equal and valuable. So, yeah, there's my whole. But but I hope you're going to tell me about a retail thing they're doing because I love those. Yes. So, in fact, Cards Against Humanity is going to come out with a family edition this fall but considering the situation and obviously everything that's going on they have been good enough to offer a free download and print and play of the complete game right now i mean that is very cool although so like let's have let's have a for real moment here chris let's you and i yes yes, yes. people you me and the 40 people that are listening okay let's (laughs) 41 41 41. that are listening listening right (laughs) mom mom i hope you're ready for this (laughs) so like if you're old and you've been in this industry for a long time like if you're new to games cards against humanity is the brand name that you know and i get it but like if you've been playing games since the the late 90s then you know that all cards against humanity did was was they said hey apples to apples is a great game let's (laughs) let's take that game but let's just say the worst things let's just say like almost dadaistically terrible things and it was marketable and i get it once you clean it up, it's just apples to apples again. Yes, I know. That's I sort know. of like, and the nerd in me, and once again, when people have similar opinions, I get mad at them because I'm like, just shut up. If it brings people into gaming, you just you <laughs> shut your mouth. You shut your mouth at me. Um, I do find myself, and it's very gatekeeper, and I don't like it. Yeah, but I'm yeah. like, no, it's just apples to apples again. <laughs> That's all you did. <laughs> You added filth, and then you removed filth. The only <laughs> thing you brought to the table, all the only original it's part true. of it was, was you were like, and I, I know that we're probably on the Dice Tower Network. Dice Tower Network cares, and I can't say things in the game because if I did, sure, sure. that would be bad. But like, oh my god, oh, well, we're gonna touch this and grab that and slap you with this thing, and that guy's re- like, that's all they brought to the table. It is, and and brilliant marketing. But I would say the fact they're taking their money and doing some of the like art projects they're doing is great. And the fact that they're giving the game away 
because they know they're a brand yeah. and they know they don't have to do this. That that folks will go buy it. They could just wait till it gets in Target and Target oh, sure. will sell it to you on their website, but they've decided to give it to you for free. And I do think that's great. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. Again, it's one of those weird situations, Bruce, where, as you mentioned, all 40 slash mom listening, listening, get it as far as board games are concerned. But for everybody else out there who's not more or less hard hardcore nerd into uh, board gaming out there, this is something that they've never seen before, even though, as you mentioned, Apples to Apples has been around forever. And honestly, I feel more accomplished if I pull out something incredibly you know, raunchy, obscure, insulting from apples to apples than I do with Cards Against Humanity. You know, it's almost like, oh, yes, of course that card has that thing on it. But if I can pull something terrible <laughs> apples to apples, I've done myself a, you know, service. You had to do a little bit of writing. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's really comedy humor. You take an ordinary situation and you go beyond. You find the obscure oddness and twistedness of all it, you know? Cards Against Agreed. Man just kind of gives it to you? Like you said, Absolutely. it's the company that, that makes it more. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I yeah. would say the, the, the other thing they'll teach you if you're a big Cards Against Humanity fan and you're like, but no, Bruce, any of the negative stuff you said, I hate you for that. Why would you say that? Um, is just play the game, add a dummy card where you just shuffle an extra card in and see yes. how often it wins. And it's going to show you... <laughs> yeah, it's going to show you that, like... The people who wrote the game, all of the comedians that are working with uh, with Max and everybody over there are brilliant. They're good writers. They're such good writers that you're not as funny as you think you are uh, because they're really good writers. Like, I have to credit them with that. Like, they, they did a good job on it. But, yeah, uh, you, you've heard my opinions both ways. But I just think that is to be noted if you're if you're out there and you're still like, but no, Bruce, you don't get it. Whereas I also think, like, there's something about bringing out uh, bringing apples to apples and showing it to people that don't know it where they're like, oh, what even is this? Um, there's that certain, like, obscure thing. And you you know it. You're a nerd. Uh, also, publishers, there are more than 40 people listening to the show. The thousands yes. and thousands that are out there. I want to make sure I cover mm-hmm. I get back to that because I don't want that to be the quote that's taken by anybody. Um, <laughs> the thousands of people out there, you're nerds. You get it. When you go to a convention, you wear the most obscure shirt you can wear. You're like, oh, I'm going to Gen Con. It's time to pull out my Steve Jackson Illuminati shirt uh, from <laughs> from 1994 so that you know yeah. I'm hardcore. Uh, I feel right. like the same thing happens with this. They're like, if you're the game person, like, oh, you're the game person in my life. You don't want to just bring them cards against humanity. They've seen that. You want to be like, oh, they made a clean cards against humanity, but they made it. Wait for it. 30 years ago. And then just show them <laughs> apples to apples and you're that much cooler. I think they missed the opportunity, Bruce, just to not buy out like a warehouse full of apples to apples game to just literally put a sticker over the front of the cover. <laughs> I'm actually waiting for like their, their Christmas joke this year to be that yeah. they're just selling apples to apples copies with like a cards against humanity sticker on it. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Like I would expect that. I mean, and I say I bought prongles. I have a can of prongles around here. <laughs> When they just are like, hey, we're just going to sell a chip. I bought those. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I bought those. Uh, once you pop, that's great. Uh, so, but I wouldn't, well, I look, wouldn't put it past them. As somebody who did a pure Kickstarter podcast for for like over a year, and almost every other Kickstarter, at least early on, was a knockoff against Apples to Apples, Cards Against Humanity, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just done. I have to say, like, so so we do the party game cast, and we cover party mm-hmm. games. That's what we do. Um, and one mm-hmm. of the most beautiful things, it's why every time I go on a show, I push people for Patreon if, if you can. 
Um, because the yeah. most beautiful thing Patreon did for us was we didn't have to accept any games that came in the door anymore. We could yes. just buy games we wanted to cover. Um, yeah. And you don't realize, like, I know for some people, they listen to podcasts for, like, the newest, the coolest, the hippest, the very next thing. Um, and we have kind of the beauty because, like, that sort of uh, listener, if you're out there, you probably are going to understand what I'm saying. You don't, um, how is it, I phrase this, care about party games. Almost at all. So it gives sure. us the freedom of we can cover what we want. But for the longest time, we didn't. We were trying to hustle and do what everybody else was doing. And, okay, well, we're going to do what they're doing, but we're going to do it with party games. And that's our angle. But the number of times people, and still to this day, send me letters that are like, Bruce, you don't understand. We have a brand new game. It's like Cards Against Humanity <laughs> and Twister. There you go. And you're like, what? That's just sex. That's all that is. Once you put those two things together, that's all that is. Why are you that's selling true. that to me? Get away from me. Because yeah, anytime we find one that does that, does that thing, and we do get them where they're like, you don't understand. Cards Against Humanity didn't figure it out. We figured out what it needed. It needed blah. And like one out of about every 50 will take on, hoping that it's good. And every once in a while we'll get right. Like Charty Party was the most recent. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, we made a game for adults. And it's a chooser game. You know what they're like, right? Wink, wink. But we added charts. There you go. And that whole statement, I was like the sheer audacity to decide that what Cards Against Humanity was missing was charts, and the game's brilliant. Um, I yeah. will say that we loved it. It was great. But, yeah, for every one of those that's any good that should be a game, there are 49 more that shouldn't be allowed to exist. I agree. And, and I'll say it. I'll be that guy. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, like, again, one of the, the situations, I don't know about you, it breaks my heart, is we do a lot of charity events. We do multiple charity events throughout the year. Yep. So I often pack up and carry my own game collection for the event to you know the general public to play games to bring them in to, to raise money absolutely and i'll have hundreds of games bruce hundreds yep. of games <laughs> and do i have to tell you which ones they they what game they pick up first uh, i i see because i don't know your collection well enough so i want you to tell me but i could guess the one of the eight it's going to be but please yes yes please tell yeah. me it's cards against humanity of bruce. course it is it's cards against humanity damn it of course it is <laughs> Because it's either that Monopoly, Trouble, Sorry, Life, or Risk. There you go. It is one of those. It's always one of those. Um, every time when I talk to, to – we have a great local game store here, a great local um, board game cafe. Um, because we do one event a year, so I know exactly what you're talking about. We do one for Extra Life. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. And I do the same thing. I bring my whole collection. I sit yep. there. I sweat in my basement because I'm a bit <laughs> – one, I'm a big guy, and two, I want to make good yeah. decisions. So I'm sweating both physically and mentally. Okay, well, I got to make sure I have a couple decent party games. That's what I'm expected for. I got to make sure I have some decent uh, flicking games because people are going to expect that. Oh, well, I better have some longer games. I better make sure I have Root because I'm sure somebody's going to want to play Root. And then I better. And then in the end, it's just they all they do is they play Cards Against Humanity and Dixit. And that's it. And the, hundreds of games there. And that's all that they play. I get it. I definitely get it. And Cards Against Humanity is always in there. Or if I one time to one of those, I didn't bring it and got berated by mm. everyone like 10 people were like you're supposed to know what party games are have you never heard of it and i'm like oh i assure you i know what it is i have the cards that they've swore they'll never make again uh i got it but like why does it need to be here you have whatever the new hot game is i probably had it but i have tiny towns 
why don't you go play Tiny Towns? And they're like, well, you know what Tiny Towns is missing? A word I can't say on this podcast. And I'm like, you're right. There are none of those in Tiny Towns. There you go. That's a completely different part of Tiny Town. It's the red light district of Party Town. (laughs) That is a whole district of Tiny Town that we have not seen yet and may never see. (laughs) Oh, God, I tell you. It's... No. (laughs) Hey, hey folks, welcome. I hope you're enjoying yourself. I know this is way off the normal format. I hope nah, we're doing fine. Well, let's talk about something a little heavier for, the, for okay. the, the, the listeners out there. By all means. There's going to be an upcoming Kickstarter. And I don't know if you play this. Bruce, have you ever played Clinic by Albin Viard? No, I've seen Clinic and it looks sure. wonderful, but I have not played it. So please talk to me about it. A Clinic is a, a kind of recreation, a simulation based on Albin Viard's wife, who was a nurse about how they treated and managed pa- patients. It's a very heavy, crunchy game. It's I think it's at least a four point something on weight scale for uh, BGG. And basically wow, the game is you're controlling your own clinic and you're building up the different wards and providing for patients. You're hiring doctors, you're hiring janitors, you're hiring nurses, and... It's it's a lot of logistics because the patients come in and they're different colors that you know that show off their level of illness that you have to treat. So it's a brilliant game. We've already covered it. What this new Kickstarter campaign and they haven't designated when in May it will pop up. It's okay. literally there's there's literally a question mark there, Bruce. But what's so interesting about the game is it's very faithful to again it's abstracted, it's cubes, it's meeples and stuff, but yeah. it's very faithful to like. Down to the point when a patient or a doctor comes to the hospital, Bruce, they bring their car and they park in the parking lot. Oh, wow. And and one of the things you have to manage <laughs> is is there enough parking space? Because if there's not enough parking space, you can't bring any more, you know, patients or doctors to the hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then it has a ridiculous number of expansions. The recent Kickstarter had like a separate box full of expansions. And this is a a reprint or a revision or, you know, an upgrade from what it yeah. used to be. And it has everything. I'm telling you, Bruce, it has fire extinguishers, it has elderly patients, patients going to the hospice. It has gardens. It even has zombies, Bruce, Bruce. It has zombies oh, in the game. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> of course it does. They were like, you know, we need, well, here's the deal. So we're a board game and we've decided <laughs> as a board game with the limitations that come with it. No, no, no. We want such a faithful recreation. That's right. Exactly. You need to make sure that you are not only managing the hospital and the patients in it, but you know what? Why don't you work on the parking decks too? (laughs) That's right. Exactly. And they were like, but no, no, no. We want to show our whimsical side. That's right. Throw some zombies in there. And it's like you said, it's, it's so serious and committed and it's so heavy and it, artwork by anal tools so everything about it is streamlined to the nth degree and then and then there's zombie cubes that you could add in as expansion so that's the base game with the expansion this special campaign is a covid19 pandemic expansion now oh there's a hot take (laughs) yeah but here's the thing i was a little you know why is he doing this in in the whole story yeah and it kind of it burns up on uh, bgg a bit He's doing this in order to raise money to combat COVID, and in particular, the Institute Pasteur and the Salk Institute for Biological Studies. So, okay. and I think it's what we're looking at here is the expansion itself is 16 euros, 
and he's donating 10 euros for every copy that's purchased to uh, medical science. Yeah. And the game itself, again, it's a little bit different because when you play the game, Bruce, it's a competitive game. Okay. This expansion, which is a small expansion, actually makes it a cooperative game. Okay. So, and what's really interesting, again, we're talking about like realistic kind of gameplay here. So the COVID, you know, when you play the base game, the patients come in infected and you try to cure them, period. Okay. Here, when the patients come in infected, the doctors, nurses, orderlies, janitors, everybody else can also become infected. Okay. So you need more doctors and nurse who haven't been infected to be able to cure or, you know, COVID. And there's a spread here because I'm, and again, the situation is literally what's faced by our healthcare professionals right now is that they're risking their lives to help people. So, I mean, it's again, a, a faithful recreation of the situation that people are dealing with as you run out of medical staff because of the situation that keeps spreading. So right. Clinic the Del- Deluxe Edition, the COVID-19 pandemic will be up on Kickstarter at some point in May when I'm not too sure because they haven't released that yet. But uh, Album VR doing a good thing out there for the community. Plus, it's kind of neat when you can see games do this thing where they become like a, almost like an art house film. Yes. You know, where they're like, look, we're going to try to show you a thing here. And I think that's really neat. Like, I, like one of the things I really liked about when I was at North Star was if you looked at evolution, evolution mm. does not do a great job teaching you evolution, but it does an amazing job teaching you ecosystems. Sure. Um, and that's what it was credited for. That's why there were copies in universities all over the world was because it taught like an entire 201 class about ecosystems in an hour board game. Um, mm. Whenever a board game can do this art house thing, I would say uh, Freedom the Underground Railroad is another one that can do sure. that. Um, uh, Twilight Struggle is, yes. is another great one. Um, Founding Fathers, I think, has a certain amount to it. I've heard Watergate sure. does. Yes. When a game can say, here's what we're going to do. You know games, you know gaming, you're a gamer. Beautiful. We're now going to take that thing in you that makes you want to interact with systems, and we're going to use it to teach you a thing. I always think that's great. And it sounds like with this, it's it's getting a little into the nitty gritty of teaching you why this is such a difficult problem, why this is so hard for us right now as a world, not just any given place, not just, you know, some random country you've never been to, but every country in the world is facing this. And I think it's cool that this game is teaching you why this is this is difficult, why this is overwhelming everyone. Absolutely. And the fact is that they're bringing people together in a co-op version of this game is really smart because I think that's really what we need to do. So as you mentioned, Bruce, it doesn't always give us every lesson or everything we need to know about a situation, but maybe it does touch on the most important things. Yeah. And I think through the window of games, it it has, that's how it's going to have to work. Games can teach you one small thing here and one small thing there. And you learn a little more about yourself, a little more about the systems that are around you. It's true. All right. So that's everything from our acquisition disorders. Let's get onto the games that are hitting the table And especially in this case, the tablet, online, everywhere else that you can actually get a game out there. So, Bruce, tell us about what you're doing, what your gaming's looking like these days. Okay, so what ended up happening here was, was, so we have our podcast. Uh, We have six people on the podcast um, because it's party games. So you can't really cover that with two people. Um, (laughs) So we have six people. Uh, And to manage six people, because you and I were talking about this ahead of time, you really kind of, yeah, got to be in the same room. So we can't be right now. 
So it sort of changed the focus of what we're doing. So what we've started doing is we started up a uh, Twitch channel, uh, twitch.tv slash thepartygamecast, and we're playing games there. So what we've done is now we do three days a week. Um, on Tuesdays, we actually take a dating simulator, and we do dating simulator games, which I had not played a lot of video games for a lot of years and did not realize this genre was real. Um <laughs> It's a big I, thing. Yeah, I learned it through a marketing piece uh, made by KFC called I Love You, Colonel Sanders. Um, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I Love You, Colonel Sanders. It was that we play, We actually talked about it on the Party Game Cast because uh, we couldn't believe it was real. So we were like, oh, we were sitting here doing Jackbox, which we'll talk about more in a minute. But we were like, oh, is that a real thing? Download that. And then we ended up three hours later, we had found one of our endings to what happened trying to get Colonel Sanders to fall in love with you and also work with you on a chicken restaurant. So I was like, what is this? And my wife was like, oh, there's a whole genre of games that are just dating simulators. So then we started working on another one that was a pigeon dating simulator. Uh, You are a human hunter gatherer at a university for pigeons and other birds. So we did that one. And then we were playing that. And then all of a sudden we came back to do the stream. We do the stream every week on Tuesday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. We went to go open our save file and it was corrupted and it wouldn't let us play. So we're scrambling. We're like here, you're like, oh, just kind of talking to the camera, like, hey, everybody, bear with us. And then we found a daddy dating simulator where you are a hot daddy trying to date other hot daddies. And it is great. It is hilarious and funny and poignant. And that's the one that we're playing now. Um, So what's at the table is I, I think it's just called like Dream Daddy. That is our current... Uh, hitting on Tuesdays. Thursdays, I do a quiz show called the Shut-In Quiz Show, where I make my own quiz every week because uh, I miss that. And then the big yeah. one to talk about is every Saturday, uh, previously it was from 2 p.m. to midnight. Now I think it's going to start running 6 p.m. to midnight, is we play all of the Jackbox games. So I'll ask, Chris, is that a? do you know about those? Have they been talked about on this show? Is that a thing or is it just it's so board game that we don't cover video games on this show? No, we do cover video games on the show. I mean, obviously we were all big video gamers before we got into board gaming yeah, and vice versa for many people out there. Uh, I haven't mentioned the Jack games in quite some time, but you know, I go back the old days where you had a CD ROM. Oh yeah. Played that game. And again, it was like, it was like at the time it was as risque as cards against humanity at the point, like every once in a while we'd throw something out there. So, Oh my God. Yeah. I've actually played these things at parties where I'm again, I'm like just very suspect about it. I'm just like, huh, it's not going to really work. This is going to be incredibly dumb and ridiculous, but it's actually a lot of fun. And what we found is, so we have all of them. Uh, We have all six party packs. Uh, And then we also are collecting extra games, like Drawful 2 was a separate thing. There's one called Use Your Words that is brilliant. Use Your Words is as good as any single game in the Jackbox series, we think, with few exceptions. Um, But what we do is, is we essentially sort of like host it almost like an old MTV show where between games we'll kind of come on and talk to you and then we'll put up a menu of available games and we'll just, we just play for hours for anybody that wants to pop in and play Jackbox games. Um, But they work brilliantly. And we were talking about this earlier, the crossover of video games to board games, video games are just doing better right now. Yes, absolutely. Um, Because video games have said, look, we're video games, but how do we get people together? Whereas board games, for some reason, think that that like getting together part is an automatic because they're a board game and they aren't saying like, well, what can a video game do to help me? What can it do to break the world 
that we're in. And I think if you look at a game, like, have you played Slay the Spire? Yes, unfortunately, I'm, I'm locked into it forever now. So Slay the Spire is, <laughs> it's a deck building game. Yeah, it's yeah. a procedurally generated deck building game. But what it can do is, is it said, okay, you like deck building games. Awesome. Well, what if we could just do stuff to the cards while you were holding them? And that's what they did. Mm. They The actual procedure of the game, you know, buy cards, play cards, build up power, build up defense. None of this is new. You know, all of this is what's always been happening. Th- Thunderstone did the same thing. Thunderstone was like, oh, let's take deck building and then make it fantasy fighting. And it worked out great. This game was like, oh, well, we're a video game. So now we have powers that can affect cards in your hand right now and not in a add two kind of way. In a, the value of every card in your deck is random. <laughs> and with that, it makes it brilliant because they're just doing such a good job of saying, here's what makes a deck building game great. Here's what the being on a computer, being digital allows us to do. Um, and I would say, like, there are a couple of digital games or a couple of uh, board games that are kind of trying, well, let's see what we can do if we turn this to the side or what can we do? Like, I think Detective, which is that one, and then there's this other one. And it does a great job because it does things that Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective couldn't do. It does things like if you appear at a place at the wrong time, you don't see the right person. Mm. So you have to make sure you go there in the evening rather than the morning. So it's doing a good job of that crossover. But by and large, what video games say is, hey, we know one problem with party games is, is that you can recognize people's handwriting. So how about we just have them type it on a screen and then you can't tell the handwriting anymore? Or yeah, uh, maybe it's, it would be a bit awkward and you would like something else to host. So Cookie Masterson is going to host the game for you. Or He's the best. Yeah. Or, hey, we would like to give you hidden information in a in an auction game, and we want other people to not know what it is. So here we go. Here's hidden auction in Bidiots. Um, and all of them seem to be really good at doing that, is they take the things that your physical games might not quite do well. Then they steal the things from the physical games that were brilliant. Um, so they have, like, Dictionarium, which is more or less Balderdash. Mm-hmm. But they're like, well, because we're not limited by paper, now people can't tell whose handwriting it is. And then we can twist the word back and forth again and again both ways because you know, we don't have to worry about the limitations of the physical world. For the trivia games, it's we can make the trivia more up to date and we can add things in here that are weird and we can present it in ways you haven't seen before where like a dummy is asking the question. Or in Trivia Murder Party, we can say like, oh, hey, um, even if you're bad at trivia, well, now you're going to play a death match in an unrelated thing. Like you're going to scratch a scratch card and you're going to, and it's all these things that you just can't do in the physical world. And they're really good at that. They've made some really great party games that get people together. And as long as you you don't have like a weapons grade hatred of screens, if what you hate about screens is what they do to people, which is they separate us. Um, Jackbox has found a way to take screens and bring us together. And it's done it in a way that is disarming because we all have our phones. Like you can hate that we do, uh, but we all do, and we're used to it, and it's it's a thing on our person. Chronicles of Crime, that's the game. There you go. Chronicles of Crime. <laughs> Sorry, I had to I had to get that in. Um, <laughs> but like we all have our devices, and we're used to them, and they're a part of us now. So rather than look at that and say that that's the enemy, they're saying, well, how can we use that thing in your hand to bring us all together in the room? And I think there's just something so brilliant about that, and that's why we decided on our channel that we do like soon to be six hours, but like ten hours of Jackbox is because in these times where we're all having to be separate from each other, one way we can get everybody on the same page to have a game together 
is the stuff that Jackbox is doing. So it's why we cared so much about getting that out there and about doing it week after week so that if you're out there and you're alone or you're with your family and you don't want to really be, you wish they're in another room and you want to go somewhere and be with new people that would give you that central place to do it. The same thing we were talking about earlier with what I think conventions are going to become. Um, that's what we're trying to be right now because we think that's what we can be right now is, you know, we can be that beacon. Once the world becomes normal again, I don't know that we're going to continue it because I don't know that our service is going to be needed then. Uh, but for right now, that's a thing we're doing because we just want a chance to like bring some entertainment and bring as much, I guess, normalcy, dare I say it as we can, but it's clearly not. But we can all sit in our homes and be together with a, a group of like-minded people. So I would say any of the Jackbox games, like I, I can't push them strongly enough. Um, I think they're super duper cool. All the packages are worth looking at. If you look at all of our social media at Party Gamecast, uh, we talk about it a lot and we answer questions because uh, sort of on the board game side, I think we're some of the bigger champions uh, for it because we don't have that like weapons grade hatred of screens. <laughs> Of all things digital, huh? Yeah, exactly. We're like, hey, whatever it is that brings people together. Like, um, one more I will mention, just because I'm talking about video games and I like to, to, to do this thing, is Keep Absolutely. Talking and Nobody Explodes. Is this one that you're okay. aware of? I heard about it. I haven't played it. Okay, so here's the whole, let me give you the premise of the game. Because I think this was the first one that turned me from that grognard board gamer that was like, no, screens are terrible. You need to stop it. To me going like, oh, this is what they're doing over there. So you know how like every 90s movie, there's like a bomb and the bomb is going to blow up the whole city. And luckily we have a phone, an old school corded phone to the bomb. And we have on one end of the phone, someone that very clearly knows how to disarm a bomb. I don't know why we don't send them in, but we don't. But what we have at the bomb is just a civilian, like just a, a bank teller that for some reason is staring at this nine megaton bomb. <laughs> And fortunately, one person knows how to defuse the bomb and the other person is at the bomb. <laughs> that is the premise of the game. Gotcha. So one person can see the bomb and that's yes. when they're screen. And then there's actually a book you can print out. You can look at it on your device or I actually physically printed and spiral bound them. That gives you all these weird ways to defuse the bomb. So one of you can see the screen and, and manipulate the bomb. The other one of you cannot. You can only look at the book. <laughs> So you're saying things like, okay, tell me the serial number on the bomb. And that person's going to the bottom and going, uh, HG48C. And they're going, okay, the last letter C, yes. Okay, so if it's C, do you see wires? Yeah, there's five wires. Okay, are any of them striped? Because the book says, if you see a bomb with the last letter of the code is C, go to page four to defuse wires. And they're trying to frantically, before the bomb goes off, go through this whole song and dance of an interrupted communication game. But rather than a lot of times like we do in board gaming where the situations are incredibly contrived, we love games like I love Ugtech. What I love about Ugtech oh, yeah. is beating somebody with an inflatable club. It's great. I've never had a game of Ugtech that didn't devolve into beating someone with an inflatable club. But it's because the game, it's the whole premise of the game is like it's very gamey. It's very like, OK, so you're cavemen. And you need to build a structure, but you can only do it by hitting someone with an inflatable club. And you're like, okay, this is a game. Whereas for Keep Talking, Nobody Explodes, it's the same amount of restricted communication, but they've done it in a scenario from a movie where they're like, oh, you've seen these movies. It's a movie trope you've seen over and over and over again. I'm um, like, one of the things I think makes uh, Cash and Guns work so well 
is that the, the trope behind cash and guns is we're going to play Reservoir Dogs the home game. And you know that movie, and you know those guys in the suits, and you know we're splitting up the loot, and you know all we have are guns. <laughs> and it makes it work, because the game doesn't seem as contrived because you've seen it in a movie. I think the same thing for Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. This contrived communication of I can only tell you certain things because you can only give me some information is, uh, is done in this book to the screen so well. And it, what it does is, is in an old version, that may have been like a device in the middle of the table, a plastic doohickey. Uh, with this, they're like, well, hey, why make the time? Why take the time to print the plastic doohickey when we can just make it a thing on the screen and we can vary it all the time and we can make it easier if you're not good at it. And we can make it harder if you're brilliant at it. And it's just such a great game. And I think a lot of what it sits on is the idea that you've seen this in a movie before. So if you're distance playing, you literally can play it over a phone. You can play it over Skype without video. And it feels even more thematic because I'm here at my computer trying to save the city and you're there terrified at the bomb trying to figure out how to manipulate it. Um, so I think it's just, it's just another case of a video game that's doing a great job of just feeling super thematic and bringing people together while also leveraging what makes video games video games. It's true. Yeah. Very much so. All right, so that's everything that's hitting our Twitch stream. Now on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, it's Bruce! Hey! Bruce is going to be our feature. Oh, this has been so gosh darn much of me. I thank you for making it this far. Thank you, I appreciate it. I've, I've We're going to squeeze as much Bruce and him that we can in this podcast. Oh, if I had a dollar for every time that's happened. <laughs> Well, Bruce, we want to we want to get down to you. I mean, obviously, you're here, and the question that everyone always asks, which is almost an impossible question to answer to anyone who actually does a podcast or works in the game industry, because it's just like breathing. So, which which one is your favorite breath? But we want to know or want to talk about what your favorite game is. So for this one, you know, like, I feel like if you've listened this long, you realize we're going to be taking a journey. So buckle in. Yes. Um, so for me, I was a gamer as a kid. Yes. Um, as a child. And I live in I live in Baltimore. So I live very close to the Avalon Hill Game Company. It was based in Baltimore. By the time I was coming up, it had since closed its doors. But that meant that you could find a lot of their games in thrift stores. Uh, so I grew up looking at a lot of their stuff. So for a long time, my favorite game probably would have been Acquire. Uh, because that's one I could see. So like little kid me kind of really dug acquire. And then I left sure. games for a bunch of years and I came back like in maybe the late nineties, early two thousands. And someone introduced me to at the same game night to wits and wagers and to flux. And those two, I loved for the longest times. It was part of, uh, it was a real honor to work for North star games, to work on wits and wagers. Like I've written questions for that game. I've worked on the look of the current version of the game. I, and that was a huge honor for me because it was such an important part in my gaming life. And then as I kind of moved on, I really, uh, fell in love with, uh, most recently. And then all of this gets to me actually telling you my favorite games now, um, is I, I really liked, uh, economic games. Okay. And negotiation games. So Bonanza was a big deal for me. To me, that's oh, sure. UA Rosenberg's best game. Um, okay. Which is a brilliant negotiation game. It's I've always explained it like this. You know all the visceral, cutthroat negotiation of Monopoly? Like that part you really like, where you're like, no, grandma, you're going <laughs> to give me everything, and if you roll a six, I'm taking your walker too. All of that is in there. And none of the dice rolling, and it plays in like 40 minutes. 
Yeah. But it's all of the, oh, oh, do you think you can pay for Vintner? Because I've got me and my $500 says you can't afford it. So here's what we're going to do. How about I let you out of Vintner, you give me Park Place, and I shut up and let you keep moving. It's all of that <laughs> in bean fields. It's a game about growing beans. Yes. And I love that about it. Like, it's such a weird theme. And it was, and that for, for a lot of years was my favorite game because it was, it's all the negotiation. Because essentially, if you don't know the game, you're growing beans and every card has what's called a binometer on it, uh, which I also just love that contrived name. Hey, this many beans in your bean field will make you this much money. And the main deal with the game is cards go in your hand one way, one direction, left or right, and they go out of your hand the other way. And when you play cards, you do not get to choose what the next card is. It's the next card in your hand, whether you like it or not. Every turn, two cards come up in the middle, and you can use those in negotiations. So essentially what you're doing is this. You're like, okay, I have a bean field of red beans and a bean field of coffee beans, and these other beans are not those beans. And these beans might be more valuable. According to the binometer, they might be worth a fortune. But if they go in my fields, I have to pull my beans up, and I do not want to do that. So I'm going to make all these crazy negotiations to get beans that work for me and get rid of the beans I don't want. Simple premise. But it makes it so that it creates a world where something that is mathematically less uh, advantageous to you is still your best move. And because of that, the negotiations are brilliant. Because it allows you to say, like, look, how about that bean you have there? I only need two of those cards and I make $11. And you're going to give that to me. Because I have these two trash beans, and you need trash beans. And the other person goes, well, why don't you give me a slightly better deal? And you're like, why don't you eat that good bean that's going to destroy everything you've built? No, you're not going to do that? Cool, I'll take it off your hands. Um, and that negotiation can happen. And it's great. It is all of the visceral uh, murdering of Monopoly, none of the dice rolling. And that is what makes it great. And for many years, that was my favorite game. Um... And then I found that if you take that and you you take my previous love of Acquire and then you take my love of Bonanza and you put them together, you end up at Lords of Vegas, which for quite a while, that is still a game that is very close to my heart. I love Lords of Vegas um, because it's once again, it's negotiating everything, but then sometimes you can roll dice to change stuff. And, and I like that about it. Um, and then I also really for a while would have called my favorite game Stockpile. Uh, which is a really neat like stock game, but it's really more about kind of like auctions and manipulation. Um, and now I would say, and I think some of this is the pandemic doing this to me, is I love whatever this type of game is where you solve a crime. Like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective and Chronicles of Crime and Detective and probably Detective of Crime and probably uh, Chronicles of Sherlock Holmes. and Just all of these that are various like games where you and a group of people solve a murder. Um, I normally don't like co-ops. I have a vicious weapons grade hatred of co-ops. <laughs> I normally, if a game's too thematic, I usually, uh, I have put points against a game being too thematic. If you're just trying too hard to be the theme, I really dislike you. Arkham Horror is the one I point to the most. Uh, Richard Launius, designer Arkham Horror, great dude, really like him. Talk to him often. Every time mm -hmm. we talk, I say, Richard, I wish you made better games. Because uh, I want to buy your games because I like you so much. But you've made thematic garbage where all you do is roll dice and look at cards and use the cards to roll dice. And I hate it. So normally if a game's too thematic, it turns me right off. I want mechanisms. But for some reason, these games are both highly thematic and also cooperative, which is usually my least favorite thing. 
but put them together and they're brilliant. If you're out there and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in this crisis. I have to be at home. I want to connect to people. Games like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective over Zoom work fantastically. You have to make very few conceits to make them work. Even the one of the series I, I kind of like the least, which is Detective. Um, I just bought a copy of Detective because I think over like all of our devices, it's going to be better than some of the other games. But this idea of like working together to look in the newspaper, to find this weird clue from six months ago that ties to what Moriarty is doing right now, all of that I just think is so cool and so brilliant that right now, talking about my favorite game, I would say it is whatever this genre is called. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of games in this genre, but it's this Sherlock Holmes consulting detective Chronicles mm. of crime, like whatever this thing is. I love it because it allows me to, um, I'd heard people talk about games in the past. So they're like, Oh, I love the game. Even if I lose all the time. And I would think like, Oh, good for you. I don't normally like games. I lose all the time. I'm terrible at Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. And in the game, you're facing Sherlock Holmes, which if you're not aware, he is literature's greatest detective. Uh, you can't beat him. The goal of the game is to beat Sherlock Holmes. You're not capable. And if you tell me, if in all of the different ways on social media, you can connect to both me and this show, and you say, oh, no, no, Bruce, I beat Sherlock Holmes. You're a cheater and a liar. <laughs> no, you didn't. You can't beat Batman in a fight. You can't beat Sherlock Holmes in a detective competition. So I am terrible at it. I always lose to Sherlock Holmes. I love it. I love going through it. I love finding the B plot. Um, do, do you know the game or should I go through like a little bit of how it works? No, I know the game, but maybe you want to go okay. through just generally. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially what happens is this is you are given in the box of Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. You're given a newspaper printed on newspaper. You are given a directory of London. You are given a map of London. There's the game. You open up a book the book tells you something you and Sherlock Holmes are hanging out at because you're not even Watson. There's Sherlock Holmes. You know him. There's Watson, who's kind of allowed to be around Sherlock Holmes. And then there's us, and we're like weird fanboy groupies that just hang out around Sherlock Holmes while he insults us because we're so stupid. And that's our deal. But he'll be somewhere, and he'll be like, oh, uh, we did one the other day where he literally the entire intro paragraph. Normally, like you read the beginning and it's a literate, it's a it's a, a a story telling you where you are now, what's happening with Sherlock Holmes, who is he talking to, what's the beginning of the case. Sherlock Holmes the other day, this jerk, sent us a message at the beginning that just said, "I was reading the newspaper today. There's something quite interesting." That was it. So with that and the title of the case, which the title of the case, uh, I don't want to give away, but it involved animals. And we were like, oh, well, I guess we need to look for animals. But that's all you have is Sherlock Holmes gives you a loose beginning to the game that is literary. And then you have to use the newspapers you have available, which as the game goes on, every time you've used a newspaper in a previous case, you're allowed access to it the next time. So all you have are newspapers, the map of London and a directory. And that's it. Every time you say you work as a group and you say, okay, we're going to investigate here. And usually you're there because something in the newspapers you read or the little bit that Sherlock Holmes helps you with told you that you should follow a lead somewhere. So for instance, we had one that was about an animal and something had happened at the park. So we were like, well, we better go to the park. So the park is located at a part of town in a specific number. And then um, choose your own adventure style. You read the book and the book tells you what happens. And sometimes the book's a jerk, which is like, I usually don't like that. But if you follow a red herring clue too specifically, 
it will literally like insult you for doing it. Um, like we did one where something on something was a business and the business that we had was something and sons. And in the directory was something and company. And we were like, Oh, I bet we're going to learn about the history of something and company being something and sons. And we said, okay, let's go there. Let's see what it is. And the whole exchange you read was the owner said, what does your thing say? Well, it says something in sons come outside. What does that sign say? <laughs> something in company. What does your thing say? Something in sons. What does that sign say? Something in company. I bid you good day. And the guy walks in and that's your entire interaction. That's great. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing because they did such a good job with this stuff to make sure they could trip you up. Like you can be four smart people that are good at puzzles and still make these mistakes because you're, you're trying to think about what the story is going to do. Oh, well, I bet we're going to find out that this particular thing that something in some in company was something in sons and something in sons remembers something about the thing that you're holding and they're going to give you a clue. And instead they're like, no, you're an idiot. <laughs> and the whole game works this way. And sure. it's brilliant in, in how it does it. And there's something about, and, and like, you can't do this over zoom, but there's something about holding the newspapers that just feels so good because <laughs> they're actually printed on newsprint. And you will learn that the newspaper that was from the first case is directly involved in case number five. And you didn't know it because it was there, but it, you didn't know that the story about a, a boat that came in town six months ago was important to a future case. And the way they worked all that out is just so well done that you cannot help. Even if you don't like the type of game, you cannot help, but acknowledge what an amazing job they did presenting. it. So yeah, th that's it for me. And I would say like Chronicles of crime took that. And like I said, because they they're using computers and apps, they're like, Oh, well now we can do this. But, Rather than you go to a place and they specifically answer a set of questions because we printed the book, now you're going to put cards in front of your screen that are asking about specific types of things. Like, I want to know about weapons. I want to know about poisons. I want to know about clothing. Um, so you have specific answers in specific locations, and it knows time. So if somebody is moving around the city, you have to figure out where they're moving which still, it takes the interaction of Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, that we're together, we're a group of people, we're solving a crime, we care about this murder, and it's using that next thing to kind of up it a little bit um, that you just couldn't do in just you know print format, and I think it's just brilliant. Um, detective does sort of the exact same thing as Sherlock Holmes, but rather than it working in the medium of newspapers, it works on like websites, and you're allowed to use Wikipedia and stuff, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, all of them are just brilliant. And there's just something about this type of game that right now really has gotten a hold of me. And it is like my, just my favorite type of games enough that I link them all together. Wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's what, like you said, Bruce, it's one of those situations where I know Anthony's talked about the game a lot, but it doesn't get enough attention. And it's such a unique theme. Typically when people talk about unique themes or new games, they're like, oh, it's got this glowing tower that shoots things out of it. and But it doesn't really talk about, like, mentally what it does to you. Like, that's innovation, how it plays with your mind and time and space. Oh, I mean, all of these making games should be at its core about the emotion it creates. Sure. Um, especially in thematic games. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure you're out there and you're like, no, 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 but I love Hanabi. But, uh, and I'm like, yeah, but what you love about Hanabi is that feeling of being clever. 
Yes. That's what it does for you. Or you might say, but no, Bruce, I love toys. I love Fireball Island. Yes, but you love the feeling of running through an island and possibly getting knocked over by a marble. You know, and that's why I have it. That's why I have Fireball Island, because I want to sure. get knocked over by a marble. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I mean, and this is a game. It, do, it doesn't do much. If you do that thing that gamers do, and I'll just take a second. I hate when gamers do this, which is the thing where they try to value the game by the cost of the things it took to produce it. Sure. So they're like, oh, well, you know, the paper couldn't cost that much. The game's not worth more than $22. Because uh, it's never a it's never a round number. It's always like really specific. <laughs> it's not worth more than twenty two dollars. Uh, when you look at Sherlock Holmes, it's a cheap board. It's a cheap board. It's newspaper print. It's some books. Uh, there are no pieces. There are no like wooden bits or anything. But like the work they put into to make that game work and make the story arc of seemingly unrelated cases work together is so brilliant that you can only say like I don't care what it costs to print this, this is worth what they're charging. Sure. And I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. To get you in that mental space and to keep you there um, is just a really amazing thing to do and is really well done in that game in a way in which I've not really seen too many other games accomplish. Yeah, and I think a lot of times because of Kickstarter or just because of online, it has to, it has, you have to see something, right? It's got to be 600 miniatures. It, it, it's It's got to be you know, some really cool kind of coloring and processing or something like that. But like you said, games are about that visceral experience that comes from practically nothing, a really abstract kind of concept in front of you. Oh, definitely. And I think like all these zhuzhed up games on Kickstarter, when they (laughs) are their best is when that zhuzhing up makes the whole experience better. Mm -hmm. So I would say that a a $900 chess set feels better than a $5 chess set. I yes. think you have to acknowledge that. Like, it just does. Yes. Um, the game's the same, though. And if what that $900 chess set does is adds the weight of what you feel that game is, if what a $3,000 backgammon set does is make every roll of the dice feel more important because the pieces you're moving are marble, then it did its job in being zhuzhed up. If all it did was make it so that a game that still feels like a $9 game costs $3,000, I don't think it did its job. It's true. And I would say sometimes, like, what the 600 miniatures does is when you lay all those all those figures out on that map and you see those armies on that map, you feel like you're controlling an army. And that's hot. You know, like, yes, you get that feeling of like when you would see in movies, they would show you like the presidential war room and it would be Mm. like guys on the giant board with thousands of pieces. And there's things that look like dice sticks from a craps table moving around armies going, oh, no, we're going to wheel them from the southeast. Like, if that's the feeling it gives you, then that money is well spent. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I remember getting into hero clicks in the very beginning. And what got me into Mm. that was like I could have a little Wolverine. (laughs) sure you know and that felt better having little wolverine work with little storm made me feel more like i was in that experience absolutely Um, yeah yeah so i think if when it does that is is at its best if making a game big and what people like call overproduced um i've always felt like we're playing with toys folks and if the toys feel better good you know like yeah, I, I always have a problem if it's just like, oh, we made a card shiny. Um, 
unless that shiny card makes me feel like there's more weight to the game, I don't know that I'm necessarily in. But if a game's like, hey, it was going to be 100 cardboard chits and now it's 600 pieces, I'm like, you know, yeah, I do, you know, I do kind of feel like I'm playing with an army. I get it. When I play Memoir 44, uh, mm. I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like a little kid playing with tanks. This is awesome. Because um, <laughs> for true. me, that's always been the fight is that I like command. I have command and colors, um, whatever the Roman one was. I think that was just basic command and color. I think of ancients. ancients. I have yeah. command and colors, ancients, and I have Memoir 44. And I don't mm. really like the theme on Memoir 44. I do on command and colors, ancients. But Memoir 44, I get to push little tanks around. End of story. It's true. You know, uh-huh. like <laughs> for, for me, it is that simple because I, I totally get why that game would get remade. Um, yeah. you know, I often sit and you look at some of these remakes and you're like, why did they do it? Like, what was bad about the old one? Until you see something like Memoir 44 and you're like, you know, I do like being in Commanding Colors Ancients and learning about how Caesar sent some like idiot general out to die. So the general has to, because he was an idiot, he backed himself up against a wall in three armies and trying to fight through that. But like, this has plastic tanks. It's true. I can't fight that. Nope. <laughs> you know? So yeah, th- there was sort of the, the there was a quick diatribe uh, about my belief of, I think overproduced games can do it well if, the, if it adds weight or gravity to the game that you're playing. And often it does. Or um, if you're just an art collector, if you're like, hey, I just collect sculpture then you wanted a sculpture that functionally did something. And I think that's wonderful too. No, absolutely. Like you said, it adds the gravitas to the game, the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. All right, Bruce. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, again, if you want to do, you know, an outgoing shout out to uh, for where everyone can find you. Okay. Uh, Cause I'm, you know what? We have not heard enough. Uh, we need more Bruce <laughs> and you're getting more Bruce. Here's all the places. There you, you go. Find. So, um, on, we are currently on Twitch. We still are as long as um, uh, staying in is a thing. So, we're at twitch.tv slash thepartygamecast. You can find us on social media, at partygamecast in most places. We're most active on Twitter, but you can also find us. Uh, we do have a Facebook uh, page. We, we kind of look at it every once in a while. We don't do a ton on there, but we're there. You'll find us. You can also find us. Uh, technically, we're on BoardGameGeek, but we hardly ever go there. Um, because sure. we learned that when you have a party game podcast, uh, your people are not really on board game geek. There are other places. Um, we do have an Instagram. We visit that every once in a while. Uh, you can contact me at the party at gmail.com. If there's some very specific question that's personal to you that you feel like you need to ask me, you know what? Feel free. Reach out. Um, I don't mind. Or on board game geek. I'm Bruce Co. If you just want to find me on board game geek, I just myself sometimes troll around there sometimes. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's everywhere. Or if you're like, Hey, I need more shows with Bruce. Uh, you can either go to thepartygamecast.com or on board games. If you're like, I like Bruce, but I can't with party games. I need something non-party game because I don't like those. Uh, on board <laughs> games is in theory a hard-hitting show, and any episode without me very much is. Deep, insightful uh, discussion in board games and board gamers. And then I come on and I just do butt jokes uh, for the whole time. Uh, and if you want to hear some of that, hey, come over there. Check us out, too. Everybody there is wonderful. Uh, th- yeah. So I think I think that's it. Onboard Games, the Party Gamecast. We have the Twitch channel. I think I got them all. There you and go. I, and thank you so much for letting me come here and just letting me talk a bunch. I appreciate that. Uh, and anybody that's listened this far, thank you. Absolutely. We love having you. And hopefully we can have you come back again. All right. So until next time, this is Chris. This is Bruce. And we'll save you a seat at the table. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.